0: Thank you very much, please be seated. Thank you for the warm welcome it 's so good to be with you again. I think I was here about five years ago or so. Did anyone remember that? Very forgettable. thank you but uh, <laughs> That was great, and uh, we do. We really love and appreciate what God is doing, and it's a very interesting season um, that we're all going through. I think church-wise, Kingdom of God, God is shifting things globally, and uh, everything is just looking a little different, which is good, because change is such an important thing to bring the freshness of what God is saying and doing, and as we embrace that, you know, I'm just so thrilled that Uh, You've come under the leadership, Pastor David and Donna, in the revival church, because what happens is that the grace and the call and the gifting that is on their life will actually flow on you, and there'll be a shift in the heavenlies. There'll be a shift in what God is doing in this place, and it'll be outworked as you embrace and understand what God is wanting to accomplish in and through you, and with that. We all grow, we all are open to the new things that God is wanting to do in us, through us and amongst us and I just want to help speak into that a little bit this morning. But before I do, I just want to perhaps just invite Yvonne, my wife of almost 48 years to come and uh, just share a little bit about our interesting journey over the last uh, year or so and uh, just to encourage you in that as well. Thanks, Vaughn.
1: Okay. How many people love change? Not really. <laughs> what about detours that come into your life? You're going along really well and everything's going great and then suddenly there's this horrific left turn that you had nothing to do, weren't expecting and it just, you just can't even comprehend how you got there. Well, probably about July last year, I wasn't feeling really well and so I started going on the test of getting tests done and everything and at the end of my test, they just said to me, oh, Yvonne, you've got bowel cancer stage three. And so that was a detour that I was not expecting in my life. I had my life planned. I knew where we were going. I knew what we were going to be doing ministry-wise. And it was just a big shock to come into my life. But I am such a positive person that um, I, ha- I had to have chemo and go through. They were able to cut all the cancer out, which was a great thing. Um, sew my bow back together. So that's all working perfectly. And, so, um, and now I've finished my chemo about... 10 weeks ago and everything is clear at the moment. So I'm praising God for that. But I'm such an optimist and the first cycle of my chemo, you get one week off. So I had like five hours in the chair and then I had two weeks on tablets and then I'd have a week off and then I'd be back in the chair for five hours. And that week off, we were in New South Wales and I said, let's fly to Sydney uh, let's fly to Adelaide, and Ian's going. Are you sure? I said, "Yep, let's let's fly to Adelaide. I've got I've got a week of chemo free. Let's go." And so we get to Adelaide, and then we get our e-bikes, and I did. I said, "Let's go bike riding." So I did twelve kilometers on the e-bike, which is a lot easier on the e-bike, and um, had a few crashes and everything. And then we flew back to Sydney, and you know you're not supposed to really be going out when you're on chemo. I didn't realize how vulnerable I actually was, and. Got back to Sydney and then found out I had pneumonia. So after that, I thought, you really are not, you know, a a rock that you can take everything. But I'm such an optimist. So after that, I decided I won't go out until my chemo is finished and I'll behave myself, which was really hard. Um, So for five months, I was really isolated. And for me, that is a horrific. But in that five months, I want to say God had me to himself and I had God to myself. And in that time, it's not about what happens to us, it's what's happening in us and through us. And as long as you keep your attitude and you respond well in those things, like I know that it wasn't from God, but I know that it passed through the hand of God. And in that time, I had such a fantastic time with God. And I just want to encourage anyone, if you're feeling alone and isolated, sometimes it's because God's actually trying to get you by yourself so he can actually put heaps into you for what is coming. And I believe in that five months, what has gone into me is for what's coming ahead. And uh, so I just want to encourage you. And I just felt a word for somebody here, that God is with you, that you're not alone. And often when you're in stuff like that, you can feel so, I felt so alone. Ian had to keep going out all the time. And for me to stay home all day on my own and not go anywhere was horrific for me. And we'd already gone through... COVID and that was bad enough and then this was on top of that so but I just want to say I can say now it was the best five months (laughs) now at the end of it it was the best five months and what God did in me and I just want to encourage you when the you some of you might be going through detours now but I look at Joseph's life and every detour that God took him through which looked horrific each stage for him would have looked horrific for him when he had a promise but every one of those stages was taking him to his destiny because he stayed faithful and he responded to God. He never reacted. And where are you, God? And what's happening, God? He just did 100% wherever he was and just served God and loved God and trusted God. So I want to encourage you, if you're in a detour at the moment, it's actually taking you to your destiny if we respond well.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Yvonne. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, well, I want to bring the word this morning that I just believe will be an encouragement to you. And today I want to talk to you about the secret of the double portion blessing, the secret of the double portion blessing. And uh, because right now uh, there is a real spirit of uncertainty and fear that is gripping the nations. Have you noticed global events? It's just like what on earth is going on? Because, you know, with recessions, economies collapsing and uh, unemployment or, you know, not so much here. But, uh, you know, rising interest rates, um, you know, earthquakes, uh, famines, uh, we're seeing wars and you know, unrest in China. And, and, you know, we're just seeing Ukraine and and everything that's happening right now. I think there is a strategy that the enemy is wanting us to withdraw and to withhold and to... To play life safe because of the uncertainty of the future. But you know, we are not tied to the kingdom of this world, but to the kingdom of God. And we need to remind ourselves of what God is going to do in us and through the church. And this is going to be the finest hour for the church and God's people as we keep looking to Jesus. And this morning, I want to unlock this truth this morning, the secret of the double portion blessing. My goal today that you'll leave this place filled with faith and confidence to embrace the future, that you'll step out into new adventures and new opportunities that God has for you as an individual and as a church. It is a great hour for the church and for what God is doing in the nations. And so today we're going to learn this principle from the Bible that's going to just help empower and equip you to move forward with a greater authority and blessing and favor of God upon your life in a very difficult season that this world is going through. And so the first thing I want to talk about, what is the double portion blessing? Well, I'm so glad you asked this morning because it's actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 21. And in verse 15, it says, this, if a man has two wives, and I just want to say that's not a good idea right there. It's part of the culture. It's a part of the custom of the day. But if they one was loved and the other unloved, and they have borne him children, both loved and the unloved, and the firstborn is of her who is unloved, Then it shall be on the day that he bequeaths his possessions to his sons that he must not bestow the firstborn status on the son of the loved wife in preference of the son of the unloved, the true firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion. There it is, the double portion of all that he has for his beginning of his strength, and the right of the firstborn is his. The right of the firstborn, there's a principle through the word of God of the double portion blessing that belongs to the firstborn. And the firstborn blessing, uh, or the firstborn had the right of the double portion uh, of the inheritance that the father amassed. In other words, he. Double the money, double the the land, double the resources, double the possession as all the other children. And the double portion blessing belonged to the firstborn son. Now, the reason for this is not that the firstborn son was more loved and more favored. In fact, it's saying he may not be more loved and more favored, but the right belongs to him. But the firstborn son was to become the father's replacement in the family. And what that meant that the double portion blessing came with it, came with it a huge responsibility because if ever there was a need in the family, the firstborn had the responsibility to meet that need to help out and make sure the rest of the family was well catered for and looked after. And so the firstborn blessing wasn't just a double inheritance for himself but it came with a responsibility to take care of others. Now, Jesus came and modeled to us the principle of the firstborn, because when you stop and think about it, there was a need on planet earth. We were separated from God, and Jesus took responsibility to meet the need of humanity. Now, in Romans 8 verse 29, this thought is picked up through the scriptures. It says, for whom he foreknew, he was predestined to be called, conformed to the image of his Son, that he might, speaking of Jesus, be the firstborn amongst many brethren. There it is, Jesus the firstborn. Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. And there again, it's, it states that Jesus being the firstborn. And so Jesus came as the father's representative from heaven to earth to take care of the needs of God's family and that he would bring the blessing of the firstborn and bring that uh, what the need was to the human race and so of course he made a way of salvation through his death and resurrection but we find through the ministry of Jesus he met every need every financial need every physical need every emotional need every relational need in fact he came and he said I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And so wherever Jesus went, he brought blessing. He brought healing. He brought wholeness. There were miracles. There was favor. There were signs, wonders. Why? Because that was the blessing. The double portion of the firstborn was upon him to minister to the needs of the human race. Now, here's the good news. This is where it gets personal, is that you, every person in Christ, who is born again, we become a firstborn son of God of God. We become the firstborn son of God. Now, let me just deal with this whole gender issue here because in Christ, the Bible says there's neither male nor female. And we've got to get our heads around how God relates to us because he relates to us as sons of God. Now, for men, it's difficult because God talks about us men. We're a part of the bride of Christ. Hello. And then women, you're a son of God. And so, uh, but it's, it's not because God looks at us separately. We're all firstborn sons. There's neither male or female. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 22, you may not have looked at this scripture in the light of the firstborn, but let me unpack this truth to you. This is a secret blessing of the right of the firstborn, I have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to a general assembly of the church. Here it is. The church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. The God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Talks about the church of the firstborn that our names are registered in heaven. Now in Israel... The firstborn son had to be publicly registered as the firstborn. When we are born again, my Bible tells me that we are now, our names are registered in heaven as the firstborn. There is a firstborn double blessing that belongs to every born again son of God. You have the right of the firstborn blessing. It belongs to us. All of God's promises are activated by faith. It's as we reach into what Jesus has laid up for our inheritance as the firstborn that we can live under the, the double blessing, the favor, the, the provision, the goodness of God in our life. We can walk under greater authority we can ever imagine possible because our names are registered in heaven as the firstborn sons. Now, it brings us to number two, how to receive the double portion blessing. We just saw in the Bible that the right of the firstborn, Old Testament principle, Jesus came and modeled it, and then he raised us up as the firstborn. Each one of us have that right. But how do we receive the double portion blessing? Well, Jesus gives us a great example of this in the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, the feeding of the 5,000 Bible theologians believe it was anywhere between 25 and 35,000 people because they had large families. It talks about 5,000 men, but they had large families. It would have been anywhere between 25, 35,000 people that Jesus fed in this miracle. But in Matthew 14, read it with me in verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. Notice that. He was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. And Jesus said to them, They do not not need to go away. He said the most strange thing. You give them something to eat. Wasn't that interesting? Now, they're saying, Jesus there's a need, do something about it. And he says, no, you do something about it. I think many times we see needs, pastor, you need to do something about it. But God says, no, no, you, you see that need. He's saying, you do something about it. Because as the right of the firstborn, God Jesus was teaching him, he was modeling to his disciples an incredible miracle But he was wanting them to understand this principle of the the firstborn. And let's just dig a little deeper here. It says that Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we only have five loaves, two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and two fish. Looking up to heaven... He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes and so they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 basketfuls of the fragments that remained. Now those who were eaten had eaten were about 5,000 men besides the women and children and so there was an amazing miracle of abundance of the overflow, miraculous provision of God and so when he said, they said, give us something to eat. Jesus said, well, go and tell us what you have. And they brought what they had, the five loaves, two fish to Jesus. And he broke it, he blessed it, and he distributed to his disciples. And then they gave, they partnered in this miracle. And as a result, everyone was fed, they were all filled, and there were 12 basketfuls, one basketful for every disciple left over. What an amazing miracle. Now, there's some things that we can learn here. The lesson is this. Jesus was teaching them, you need to take responsibility for the needs of people. Jesus, you do something. No, no, you do something about it. Because it's only when we take responsibility beyond ourselves, but the needs of others in our community, in our world, that we'll see the miracles of God's provision begin to flow. Because it's so easy to deflect that responsibility onto others, a pastor, a leaders, or someone else. But Jesus said, "No, no. There is a the right of the firstborn. He's wanting us to activate our faith for the blessing and miracles to flow." Now, Jesus modeled that by taking responsibility for for the multitudes and and the double portion for the double portion blessing to come upon you, the spirit of the firstborn must be within you. And the spirit of the firstborn is to take responsibility for the family. And that's the reason of the double portion blessing that will flow. Jesus warned his disciples, he said, "'Beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, for they devour widows' houses for a pretense of making long prayers.' You know what the doctrines of the Pharisees and the Sadducees were? It was simply selfishness. They were more concerned about their pride, their prominence, and self-promotion. And what motivated them was actually greed, but what motivated Jesus was compassion. And the spirit of the firstborn is when we start taking responsibility for others and just beyond ourselves, when we start taking responsibility for those around us, what God has called us as a church in this community to see the brokenness, the needs of humanity. And and Jesus was filled with compassion, and he wants us to have that same motivation. And the thing I love about Revival Church is that you actually take responsibility of the firstborn. You take responsibility because this church isn't just about me and my needs. It's actually about reaching those people that are far from Christ. I heard Pastor David, his theme for this year, multiplication. Why do you want to multiply? Because there are so many souls. There's so many people that need Jesus. And we're not just building a little comfortable club here in Mount Barker that we can have our needs met. Uh, We're actually here because we're wanting to see Jesus do something in this community to reach into every heart, every life, every neighborhood. And I'm telling you, behind those closed doors is all kinds of brokenness. so all kinds of empty lives. And as we start taking responsibility, divine appointments, favor, blessing, and miracles will flow. And so that's what I love, the heart of Revival. It's to cause us to look beyond ourselves. And Jesus is walking in the spirit of the firstborn by taking responsibility and having a heart filled with compassion for others. And that released the double portion blessing to flow. Now, number three is this. What has to change in us to walk in the spirit of the firstborn? What has to shift in our thinking? What has to shift? What has to change in us? Well, I want to encourage each one of us today is to make a decision that we're not going to live for ourselves, but we're going to live for others. We're not going to live just for our own self-interest, but for God's interest, for the kingdom of God and uh, not the kingdom of self, because there's a double portion blessing. It is life-changing. Now, the disciples brought what they had to Jesus, the five loaves and two fish, and it says there in the scripture that he blessed it, Matthew 14, he blessed it and broke it, And he gave his disciple the loaves to his disciples, and they gave to the multitudes, and they all ate and were filled, and twelve basketfuls of fragments that remain. The reason many people don't give is that there's hardly they feel they have hardly enough for themselves. When you stop and think about it, they had five loaves and two fish. Now, that's hardly enough for a snack between twelve men. Five, five loaves, two fish. And if they were just looking for themselves, well, it's not enough for anyone else. And that's the reason a lot of people don't bring or give what they have to God because they feel there's a lack. And there is such a negative fear that is attached to this where people feel they have to withhold and withdraw because I don't have enough. But for miracles to flow, we need to bring what we have to Jesus. And that's why even in this season, and we're actually experiencing a bit of a famine in the land, have you noticed right now? And it's a temptation to withdraw and withhold and to stop sowing and giving and being generous. Remember Isaac, who was a firstborn son, says he prospered in the times of famine. In Genesis 6, it says there was a famine in the land it says that Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him and the man began to prosper He began uh, and to continue prospering and he became very prosperous. You know, God desires his people to prosper in lean times because his favor and blessing rests upon us. But the kingdom economics is not tied to the economics of this world. God will release favor He'll release opportunity. He'll release blessing where others don't see it and don't walk in it because the right of the firstborn is a right of double blessing. When Jesus said to them, You feed them, he was teaching them, first of all, to take responsibility for others, but secondly, to give what they had to Jesus, to bring what they have and give it to Jesus. And really, the whole attitude of, coming to Christ, is that, Lord, you've got me. All that I have is yours. It belongs to me. And that actually releases amazing miracles because the early Testament church was birthed in the spirit of the firstborn. Because in Acts chapter 2, look at this scripture. In verse 44, it says, and they believed, all who believed were together and had all things it would say all things, all things in common, they sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst all to anyone who had need. Then it says and the Lord added, added to the church daily those who were being saved. I'm not saying this morning I'm going to go and sell everything you got and bring it to the I'm not saying that but there was a spirit of the firstborn, that they didn't consider anything they had for themselves. They took responsibility for the needs in the community. They brought what they had, laid at the apostles' feet, and out of that spirit there was of the firstborn, there was signs, wonders, miracles, salvations. The church was added. Why? Because people brought what they had and gave not only themselves, but who they were. They gave everything and gave it to Jesus, and they took responsibility. They brought what they had, and as a result, the favor, the momentum, the church, the kingdom of God, greatly advanced. But then what happened? Jesus blessed it and broke it, and he gave. As they brought what they had, he blessed it, broke it, gave it to, uh, back to his disciples. You know, in order for the spirit of the firstborn to flow, Something has to be broken. Something has to be broken. Because if we're going to live as Jesus wants us to live, there needs to be things broken over our lives. And what that is is actually a spirit of self-protection, of selfishness, of poverty and fear that causes us to withhold. And until that's broken off of our lives, we will never learn to live in the blessing of the firstborn. (laughs) as a new Christian, the thing I struggled with more than anything else when I heard the principle of tithing, I reacted. You know why? Because the love of money had a grip in my life. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It actually says the love of money. And I actually grew up with an incredible love for money. Uh, I remember at 10 years of age, uh, my hero in the comics... Remember the Donald Duck comics? Yep, okay. My hero that I could identify was Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Donald's uncle. Because Str- Scrooge McDuck, he had rooms, vaults filled with money. And uh, Scrooge, he, he would, would dive in and, and, and bury himself in his money and throw money in the air and he was just like sw- literally swimming in money. And I thought... That's what I want for my life. I want to be Scrooge McDuck. And uh, at 10 years of age, I got very entrepreneurial. Uh, I started my first business at 10. I was great at building treehouses. And my neighbor came and said, Ian, will you build me a treehouse? I said, sure, but it's going to cost you $2. And so I built a tree house and I charged him for it. And I thought, well, this is good. And so that was my first little deposit in Zerna Bank, you see, on my way to become Scrooge McDuck. And I remember I opened my little bank and I, I scrimped and scaved and kept birthday money and started to sell drink bottles and all. And I started to save a few dollars. And my uncle came and said, oh, Ian, I, I, I need a loan us some money. I said, I can loan you some money. So I loaned him money and I put interest on it <laughs> at 10 years of age. And uh, and so I had my own bank. I had the Zerner Bank. And I had the Zerner Building Company. And I, I was making money. And, and by the time I was 15 years of age, I had literally so much money. I, I was just swimming in money. And at 15 years of age, I went and bought my first superbike, a Norton Commando 750cc. And uh, I bought it with cash. And... Uh, i got this photo, I should bring it up, I had a photo, got a photograph of 15-year-old Ian, eyes popping out of his head, fistful of money, about to go buy my motorcycle, and, uh, and so I was living the dream at 15, and I was riding it around the streets at 15, and, and uh, I was just a rebel without a cause, and, 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 and I, I just kept being entrepreneurial and creating money and looking for opportunities. And and by the time I was 18, I had, you know, I was doing really, really well. Then I met Yvonne. (laughs) And uh, I had, you know, I had the ability to make money and she had the ability to spend money. (laughs) I was really, really tight and she's really, really generous. And isn't it interesting, you know, before marriage... Opposites attract, but after marriage, opposites attack. We had more fights about money than anything else. In fact, they say the majority of marriages break up because of money. More fights are because of money, and it certainly consumed me and controlled me. At 19 years of age, we both got radically saved at the Rich Haven Assemblies of God Church. Hey. And our lives were changed and transformed. And and something shifted in my heart. And and I heard them teaching about giving and and being generous and about tithing. And I'm telling you, I I reacted to that fiercely because of the love of money. In fact, I struggled. You know, the most hated verse in the Bible, the most hated verse in the Bible, is actually found in Malachi chapter 3, in verse 10. Where it says, bring all the tithe to the st- into the storehouse and prove me now, says the Lord. And I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. There's not enough room to receive it. And, and man, I, 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 str- I honestly struggled with that because my addiction to the love of money in my life. But God wasn't going to let me off the hook because if we're not obedient to God in one area, we won't be obedient to God in the other area. And it's not conditional obedience. When we make Jesus Lord, he becomes Lord of all. You see, Jesus isn't interested in your money. He's interested in you. Because when he gets you, he gets your money, he gets your house, he gets everything you have. It all belongs to him. We're not owners, we're stewards. It all belongs to him. And so I got so convicted and I fought this and I I finally thought, okay, well, I'll do this. And I thought I could never afford to tithe. I just started another business at Nineteen years of age in the Barossa Valley little building business and uh, and I thought i couldn 't afford to do that, but I remember we I took this step of faith and we tithed. and to my surprise, all our bills were paid, and I had money in the bank and i couldn 't believe it and so we started to continue to tithe and live generously and and live beyond ourselves, taking responsibility for needs and those around us. And we started to see the blessing and the favor of God flow and and Something shifted in our life because we stepped into it, the right of the firstborn, taking responsibilities beyond ourselves, but become generous in our sowing, in our giving, and it became the miracle of multiplication in our life. And I remember in, in, uh, it was, we were like 22 years of age, and Yvonne, the voice of the Holy Spirit always comes in the voice with Yvonne to me. And she said, we need to buy our own house. And I said, no, I said, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, you know, Jesus didn't have anywhere to lay his head, and I don't need, you know, I was actually looking for excuse not to spend money. And she says, no, no, we were driving through the main street of Nunda in the Brossa Valley, and there's this beautiful stately home for sale. And she said, that's the house, we need to buy that house. And I said, oh, no, it's, it's way beyond anything. We, we, we didn't have anything, we had no deposit, we were just giving it all away. And she said, "No, that's the house." And so, reluctantly, we went and made an appointment with the agent, and we went through the house and met the lady, and uh, and she took favour to us. And she said there was numbers of people wanting to buy this home. It was a beautiful home, and and she said, "No, I want this young couple to have it." Her name was Mrs. Schultz, and she just found in her heart great love for us. And uh, we said, "Well, to be honest, we don't have the deposit." And she said, well, that's okay. I'll loan you the deposit. <laughs> and so we bought this house. And in, 12, in a 12-month period, because God was just teaching us about generosity. He was teaching about living and giving and, and tithing and honoring God. And in a 12-month period, we bought our first home. In that same 12-month period, I bought a brand, our first brand-new car. Uh, I upgraded my work vehicle. Uh, we did a church growth tour to the United States of America uh, that changed our life, put a gift of faith in our life, seeing what God was doing in other nations. Another, you know, it just opened our eyes to the possibilities of what God is doing in his kingdom. And we looked back and said, how did it ever happen? And it's because of the blessing and the favor of God, because it wasn't about us. It was actually everything we have is to be a blessing to others. Everything we own, everything is as a bigger, a good steward and a resource to sow into others and to give into others. And so we've lived our life on with, with that spirit or the blessing of the firstborn, the double portion upon our life. And we've seen it. As we planted out the church in the Brosser Valley, we saw God move so powerfully. We went to Gawler and 1982. And God just opened doors where we bought land that wasn't for sale without any money. And there's a whole nother story of miracles behind that. But because we knew that God was wanting to establish, there was miracle provision. Now remember we held that land. It was in 1987, 19, yeah, 1997, 1988. It was the peak of interest. It was 18% interest rates. Some of you remember the day. And we had this land. God did a financial, we owned it. I had a plan to build. And, uh, and right in the height of recession that Paul Keating said we had to have, highest interest rates, God said, I want you to build. And uh, we stepped out and we thought, well, how are we? And so we put the challenge, put the need out to the, our church family. And God shifted something in people's hearts. And they gave sacrificially and generously. And within two years, or it was actually 1992, we, we opened uh, that building. We bought 22 acres of land, put road development, subdivisions, all kinds of things happening. And there's uh, that entrepreneurial gift coming through there to help resource the kingdom. But God blessed and gave us great favor. And today they set up literally a multi, multi, multi-million dollar facility there with nothing. Because the right of the firstborn, double blessing. But as the church leaned in, you know what happened is that there was promotion, there was new jobs, there was new opportunities, there was favor, there was inheritance, there was all kinds of blessings and miracles that flowed because people began to live sacrificially and generously and release the double portion blessing. And uh, it's such an exciting season. When we went to New South Wales, we God called us there in 1997. he said, I want you to do it again. And so we went there to a, a church that was in debt and distress, had a couple hundred people in the church. And, uh, and God said, I want you to buy land, build a building and set it up for the next generation. And that was 25 years ago. Well, here we are 25 years on and we've seen the miracles in the favor of God. But when we stepped into that place, God showed me land by revelation. I put the vision out to the church And there was such negativity, to be honest, because they didn't know us. We were there uh, because God had called us, and we were being obedient to God, and there was all kinds of politicking. There was not a smooth transition, let me tell you. In fact, they didn't want us there. Uh, You know, there was a lot of people just wouldn't give us the time of day. But I went there with the word from God and said, God spoke to me about this land on the main highway. And one of the elders that was in the church came forward, Crying, he ran out and he said, "Pastor, in 1982 we walked on that land, and God said to buy it. And uh, he said we didn't have the money. Then it was 125,000. Now it was 1.6 million. The church had no money, had no nothing in the bank, only had debt. And God said, buy it.' I put it out to the church. They realize our pastor is hearing from God. God moved upon people's hearts, and over a three-year period, you know, people gave 2.2 million dollars." We opened that building in 2001, $5.5 million building. and But what happened, the miracles that flowed in people's lives because they started to live with generosity beyond themselves. You know, one tradie, he was a bricklayer. His marriage had broken up, and uh, he blamed us for it. If something goes wrong, it's normally the pastor's fault. This is why I like being an assistant pastor because you've, you... you, you <laughs> So it's always the pastor's fault. and But anyway, I was the pastor, and, and he was blaming us. And he, And when he heard about our, our building, we put this brochure out, he tore it up, and he says, I'll never have anything to do with this so-and-so, and he th- ripped it up, and his marriage broke up. Anyway, through a whole lot of circumstances, God humbled him. He restored his marriage. And then he said, well, God, I suppose I better do something. Tell me what I should do. And God said, I want you to give $100,000 to the building. He's never seen $100,000. And he thought, well, how do I do that? And God said, well, you've got trading mates, haven't you? He said, yes. He said, I want you to build a house, pull in all your favours, sell it and put the profit into the church. Well, he did that once and made $50,000. He did it again and made another $50,000, put in $100,000 into our building program. But, you know, out of that, there became a gift of faith. He'd never seen money flowing. He was a broke tradie. But then he started to realize, I can do this. He then went and bought the the worst house and the best street. He did it up and made a million-dollar profit. And because the blessing began to flow as he started to... See, it's the right of the firstborn. And in that season, we saw so many of our people, again... Have promotions and opportunities, and and uh, you know there was just a, a, immense financial favour, and uh, because that's the right of the firstborn, and so I want to encourage us today. Don't give in to the fear and the negativity that we hear every day about rising interest rates, about recession, about global economics and, and the wars and rumors of wars because it's in the time of famine that he wants his church to prosper. It's in the time of famine that he wants us to be meeting the needs of a hurting generation with the love and the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, it just comes right there. But all of God's promises are activated by faith. We, just had, uh, we had lunch with Oh, oh, yes. Thank you, Yvonne. Uh, in, in our uh, w- buying that land on the Central Coast, they had no money when we went there. And, and, uh, and so we said, no, God said to buy it. And so the only way we could do it, the church had no assets. And so we put our own personal assets on the line as guarantor for this. And we had six months to settle on this land. And the solicitor who negotiated the, the, the whole deal. He said, you are crazy because he said, if you don't settle in six months' time, you're going to lose your house, everything you ever worked for, it's all gone. But we less later, all in the line, said, because it's not ours. We're just living by obedience, and that's exactly what the early church was birthed on, the spirit of the firstborn. And so we've seen God's blessed, and we have had favor with homes and, and because it's, it belongs to us, belongs to him. And the spirit of the firstborn is activated by, by faith. And oftentimes, people can be generous and living, but not drawing upon the right of the firstborn blessing. We just had lunch with a couple in our church in, on the Central Coast just before we came, just over a week ago. And we're having lunch, and, and, and they're a beautiful couple. They oversee our seniors' ministries. They're in their early uh, 70s, and uh, uh, they are chaplains. We've, we've got a gym attached to our church. We've got over 5000 members in our our gym up there and uh, and, and they're one of the chaplains. We've got about 40 chaplains that, that minister and, and speak into lives. And, and they lead that many people to Christ. And we've got a thriving seniors. We're getting more seniors saved than any any other age demographic at the moment because they take them for training. Then they take them for coffees and they share their life. And then they lead them to Jesus. And and anyway, they are such givers. They're so generous. They're always giving of themselves. And we've known them for 20 years. And, and, and he was just saying, look, I'm over lunch he was saying oh look I, I'm not sure how you know we're on the pension now and we've got a little bit of income from here and there but oh we're not sure about the future and and you know how and I said listen the right of the firstborn is yours and I said and and, and I encouraged him to reach into God, I said, God knows the number of hairs on your head. The sparrows don't have to worry about the next food. You don't have to worry about the next five years. You don't have to worry about them. Know that God is your source, that he's your provider. And I started to point his attention to Jesus. And, and then he, it started to twig. He said, and I spoke about the blessing, the favor, the, the, the goodness of God that will flow. The right of the firstborn is yours. And see, they're living it, but they've never claimed. They've never reached into that. And then he said, well, actually, now that you mention it, they' are English, and they're going back to U.K. in about two months' time, for the first time in 20 years. And he said, "We' just had enough. We bought tickets before COVID, had enough for the return trip, but then now we've got that reinstated and we're about to go, but we actually had almost no money for exp- you know, spending, what have you. Well, through the gym and the people that they've connected with, when they ask them, "Well, where are you going?" they're saying, "Oh well, we've actually know someone there, and they've got a holiday house that you can use." They've got a car that you can use. And their whole plan, they're going to Wales, they're going to all over, and every part of their itinerary, God had divine appointments and people that they've given beautiful accommodation cars to drive, homes to live in, and actually zero expense for them. And I said, that's because of the favor of God, because you are living under the right of the firstborn, but you just haven't recognized it. And that's why as we step out boldly and confidently in faith and obedience to God, that even in this time of economic turmoil, you can have confidence that we serve a good, loving Father, that God is your source, and the right of the firstborn belongs to us. You're saying, Pastor, are you telling me that as uh, I give and, and to sow into others and needs around me that I'll always have more than enough for other people and, and to give? And I am saying, yes, that's the right of the firstborn. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, it says, God is able to make all grace abound to you that you, always having sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And God wants us to live in the abundance, having all sufficiency, all grace for every good work. You know, so we serve a God of more than enough, not a God of not enough. And there are so many Christians, they live out of, well, I don't have enough, or I have just enough. Well, that's not where God wants us to live. He wants us to live with more than enough. Why? Because the right of the firstborn belongs to us. It's not about us. It's actually about others. And God wants His favor, His blessing, His provision to flow. And in this new season of Revival Church, I want to encourage you to step into the grace, the anointing, the what's over this house, and say, God, open... the div- Doors to be able to share your love with others. You know, I heard that one of the things you do is you give away hampers to the community here. Yeah? That's that's awesome. And, you know, but see, oftentimes we, we will give and we'll do things to serve, but we don't reach into the principle behind it and draw upon the blessing that will come with it, that will flow on us in order that all grace and all will abound in us, that will have. Uh, That will have all sufficiency for every good work, that the gospel may go forth and people will be saved. We serve a God of more than enough, and I just want to encourage you today. You know, the thing with the disciples uh, is that there was literally more than enough, because when we learn the miracle of the 5,000, there's a principle here we need to look at, is because God was pleased because the people's needs were taken care of. The disciples were pleased because they got an overwhelming blessing, one basket full, each one left over, and the people were pleased because they were eight and they were full. Because when we give, God wins, you win, and the people win. But when we don't give, no one wins. And that's why we have an enemy that will tell us to withhold, to withdraw, to keep it close and just watch what you... No, no. The whole miracle of the firstborn flows... We take responsibility. That thing is broken over our lives. We give and so generously, and it becomes about others and not about ourselves. And you watch. The definition of prosperity is having more than enough to do what God has called you to do. More than enough to do with what God has called you to do. And uh, that's where in Psalms it says, in Psalm 23, my cup runs over. Psalm 35, it says that, Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Why, why? does God want to prosper? Why does God delight in the prosperity and the blessing and the goodness of God in our life? Because it's not about us. It's about others. It's about the lost, the hurting, the broken. And the answer is Jesus, who's come to give us life. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants people to have lives living with not enough. And that's where many Christians think have this mentality. Well, I, I, I have just enough or not enough. No. The right of the firstborn belongs to you, and that's the secret of the double portion blessing, and it will flow. We started to step into that years ago, and I never really understood what was behind it until just recently I began to see the double portion, or the right of the double portion blessing that is there for all of us. And so today we've learned from the Word of God what is the double portion blessing, how to receive the double portion blessing, and what needs to change in us before in order to walk in the double portion blessing. I want to ask Sister Keyboard to come right now. Thank you. I just pray this morning that you've received something of the Word of God, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And this morning, I want you to receive, I'm going to pray over you today that there'll be an impartation of faith in your life. to Step out in obedience and maybe there's some things that need to be broken in order to do that. Well, this morning I want to say you can trust God. We've been walking with Jesus for 48 years and He's never failed us. He's never let us down. We've seen blessings, miracles, opportunities go before us because we live in the right of the firstborn blessing. Each one of us have access to the firstborn blessing. Today I've taught you from the Word of God what it is, how to access it, how to flow in that grace. And as you take it for yourself, you will see a shift. You'll see a change. And and there's a, a change in the atmosphere here right now. A shift in the spiritual dynamics, even over this house, there's a new grace, there's a new anointing. And as you and let go of you know old perhaps mindsets or thinkings or ways, be open to the freshness of what God is doing, embrace it. Say, Lord, I want to be a part of the, the new thing that you're wanting to do here for this church, this community, for souls, for the kingdom to advance. And as you embrace it, God is gonna do you'll see God do amazing things that you've never seen before. Because the right of the firstborn blessing. It rests upon you today. Can I just ask you to perhaps just stand right now? And as you we stand, we're saying, Lord, I'm I'm reaching in to all that you have for me, for this church, our future together, for what you're doing in the kingdom. And there's going to be a shift. There's a shift in the heavenlies. But God is going to shift things in our hearts. And this morning I just pray. That our hearts would be open. I just want you to look to Jesus right now, and I know there is, people have been wrestling here about finance and and you know worry and fear about the future. This morning, I want to say you serve a good, good Father. And this morning, you can draw upon His love, His grace, and I just want to pray over you and just impart a spirit of faith. For what he has for the future, for your life, your family. But for this church family, for this community, you are on an exciting journey. Things are beginning to shift in the heavenlies, which will be outworked here on earth. So I want to pray, Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, just put your hands out, just say, Lord, I receive. Father, I just, Father, I declare right now in the name of Jesus that, Lord, the gift of faith will flow, that each one of us will have eyes to see as your sons of God and access the firstborn blessing, the double portion, Father, to flow to us and through us. Father, it's not about us. It's about others. And Father, we pray, here we are. Use me. Use my resources. Father, use all that I have and all that I am to advance your kingdom and your cause here on planet Earth. Father, I pray that you'll enlarge this place. You'll enlarge our borders, you enlarge our thinking, you enlarge our vision, you'll enlarge our dreams. And I declare enlargement over every household. Father, there'll be business opportunities. That there'll be divine appointments and favor. That God, there will be new Uh, opportunities that are beginning to embark right now. Father, in the name of Jesus and I declare in businesses in this place are going to be blessed in this house. Businesses are going to prosper. There's going to be a a creation of wealth, a creation of opportunity, employment for others. God's going to cause divine favor and contacts to come into this place and uh, you're going to see it You're going to see the favor of God, the favor of man in your life and amongst you as you recognize it, see God at work. Father, I declare grace for every good work that's in store for us and we receive it by faith right now in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Just while we're in the atmosphere of prayer, while we're in the presence of God, if you're here this morning and you've not yet made that decision to say yes to Jesus, perhaps you've been sitting on the fence and just thinking, weighing it all up, should I, should I, well, today is your day to fully surrender, No, God loves you, he's got a great plan for your life, but it comes as we step into obedience of saying yes to him. If you have followed the Lord, but you're away from God, well, this morning's your opportunity to return to him and say, Lord, I want to reconnect and get my life back on track because God loves you. He's got the best life for you. And this morning, as you say yes to Jesus, you're just being restored as a firstborn son to walk in the goodness of your Father. And if that's you this morning, say, Ian, I need to get right with God. I'm away from God. I need to return. Or I want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Just right now, I want you to slip up your hands on the counter, of three and say, Ian, pray for me, because today I want to make that decision. One... Two and three. If that's you, put up your hand, nice and high, and say, "Ian, pray with me. Include me in this prayer because I need to get right with Jesus. I want to get my life right with Him." If that's you, put up your hand or sit and acknowledge it. We'll pray for you this day. Awesome. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, you're good to us. Thank you for fertile soil, Lord. Thank you for good ground. Thank you for the seed that's been sown. This is a, you know, this is a season. As you sow in the time of famine, reaping a hundredfold, and there's a hundredfold harvest that God is bringing into this house. Father, we declare it, and we thank you for what you're doing in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Just before we go, there are people here, God, fear needs to be broken off of you where it comes to finance. Fear has gripped you. Fear that's holding you. God has not given us the spirit of fear. There are people here about fear. You're fearing finance. You lay awake at night, worried about money, anxious about finance, not knowing how you're going to pay those bills, not knowing how you're going to uh, you know, move forward in your financial realm. And I just want to break that spirit of fear off of you because it's, it's actually a lying spirit. Because it's 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 not God that's speaking; it's it's your thoughts. But if the enemy comes in. He's the deceiver. He's like that serpent. He gets in without even you recognizing it, and he starts amplifying thoughts that don't come from God, but they come actually from the pit of hell. And fear grips our hearts. And this morning, I just want to break that spirit of fear, because it doesn't. Be- it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. And I want you to see that faith rise in your heart this morning, if you've had fear in your life in the areas of finance, that's you, just say, Ian, pray. Um, include me in that because I'm worried. Fear grips me about finances in the future. If that's you, just give us a little wave and say, Ian, I need that. I just need that broken. Yes. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you so much. Thank you, Father. Lord, today, Father, we just speak to, against the spirit of fear. Oh, Lord, that has gripped hearts and minds and imaginations and I just break that in Jesus name and I just pray Father that faith will fill those hearts, that God they will see your provision, your goodness, that there will be Lord just thoughts of prosperity of the goodness of God, Father of the favour, the blessing of God that will flow, Father I bind fear, I give it no place and I declare that boldness and confidence Father to step in obedience to you, Father we just declare it right now and receive this morning supernatural empowerment Lord, rising above every fear in the name of Jesus, in everybody said, Amen, amen. Something has shifted in the heavenlies of your life, this house, this day. Just keep looking, live in the right of the firstborn blessing, and you're going to see such the best days are your next days. Thank you so much. Been good sharing with you today. Thank you.